1: I guess this is goodbye, old pal. You've been a perfect friend. Hi, John Schwab here from Curtain Call, and welcome to episode 163 of the Curtain Call podcast, recorded on the 29th of November, 2021. Now, I've never opened a podcast before with a date mentioned specifically, but I feel that I had to as theaters here in London's West End prepare to dim their lights in honor of the titan of musical theater, Stephen Joshua Sondheim. He passed away late last week at the age of 91. Now, I also know that at 91, it's to be expected that Sondheim would have to go someday, but that day always seemed to be in the far, far future for me. You see, it's it's hard to imagine musical theater without Sondheim being around, planning a new show, writing a new show, attending the opening night of one of his revivals or uh, another new musical, giving advice to musical theater writers and composers that are coming up, encouraging those entering the industry to believe in their craft and to carry on despite anything that happens. It's a sad moment in time, but also one of tremendous gratitude that he gave so much to musical theater and didn't let the bastards get him down. He had the tenacity to carry on, to challenge himself, to put failures down to experience, and to tread new roads through pastures green to bring us something in musical theater that was new, unique, not just a jukebox musical or a rehashed movie. It's, it just made us think and fall in love with lyrics all over again, and how lyrics could play with music and music play with lyrics. No one here to guide you. Now you're on your own. Only me beside you. Still, you're not alone. No one is alone. Truly, no one. shall be missed, and I didn't want this week's episode to go out without saying something about how deeply Sondheim impacted this musical theater lover when I was growing up. Thank you, Sondheim, for all the words, for all the music, for all the revivals that I will be watching until I join you, wherever you are, hopefully, at least at the age that we said goodbye to you. You decide what's good You decide alone Now for this week's guest. And we have another incredibly inspiring guest for this episode, one that will be conducting one of Sondheim's musicals later next year. Alex Parker is a musical director, composer, conductor, I mean you name it, if it has anything to do with music or musicals, Alex is all over it and now he even has his own orchestra. Alex is the musical director on a massive concert presentation of Andrew Lloyd Webber's musical Sunset Boulevard in the iconic Royal Albert Hall. Now Sunset Boulevard is perhaps one of ALW's most beloved scores, and in my opinion the most complete musical in his canon. And this concert version promises to be a blast if you're into his musicals. I know not everybody is, but I'm telling you, this one promises to be a blast. It's got Maz Murray playing Norma Desmond, Raman Karamlu uh, as Joe Gillis, and a musical would not be complete here in the UK without a Strahlen sister. So ZZ steps in to play Betty Schaefer and get this with a 40. That is right, a 40-piece orchestra i cannot wait and i will be there with bells on this friday the 3rd of december i chatted to alex about his orchestra luminaire why musical concerts are making such a splash and the love of a big orchestra in the theater pit i seriously could have chatted to alex for another hour but he had a show to go to and we'll just have to get him back on the podcast in the very near future have a listen You're a busy man. You're one of the busiest people in musical theatre and music direction and, and music in general, composing and everything else. Um, so uh, we'll get to Sunset Boulevard in a minute, but I'd love to know what brought you to this place to begin with. What made you want to get into this um, crazy industry?
0: Well, I um, wanted to be an actor. And I think, I, I mean, I, I feel like a lot of creative people start that way I think when they're a child because your natural introduction to theater is through going to drama club or something like that and that's exactly what I did um and I loved it I loved the theater I think you know my family took me to the theater as a child and you know our Christmas outing would be to places like the National Theater and the pantos and things and I think you know I just was like oh my god this whole environment is amazing um but then I kind of got to 13 or 14, and realised I wasn't very good at acting. Um, and I I guess I I loved it enough that I wanted to be part of it, but it's something that I had the potential to, I guess, um, I'd say this is modestly I can kind of excel in, and I knew sure. that there was only a certain place I was going to get to with acting, which was, I'm terrible at acting. <laughs> I mean, you know, don't get me wrong, I, it's, you know... I'm I'm not very good. I'm filling in the lines today for people who aren't there, but I'm I'm terrible. I'm terrible. (laughs) And then I just, but I started learning the piano when I was 10. And Mm -hmm. I guess by age, I want to say by like age 14, this kind of moment happened around then. And I was like, oh, I seem to be taking to the piano a lot easier than I'm taking to acting. And then I guess naturally, well, I, then the next thing that happened was I was asked to do the music for a local pantomime. Uh, I'm from Guildford and from around there. And, uh, and they said, but the way they described it was, would you like to do the music? And I was like, do the music? What does that mean? Do the music. And, and just t- photocopy it. Yeah. I was like, what does this mean? It's like, teach the songs. I was like, well, I guess I could try and teach the songs. And then it And then it just became this... Because no one really knows what a musical director is, I think. It's not something that is... uh, Unless you're kind of part of the business, I think. No one actually... You don't think when I'm younger, oh, I want to be a musical director when I'm older. And I think doing that made me realise, wow, there is a way that music and theatre... You know, I can still be part of the theatre, but through a different avenue. And that was it, really. I then just... After doing that once, I became absolutely obsessed with the idea of being a musical director and 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 kind of but really obsessed in that I'd go to the theater I'd you know I'd be fascinated to the point of knowing what the way they printed the band parts on what paper right through to how many people and how in the band how are they sitting how uh, you know I was just so uh kind of infatuated by it all and and just and i loved seeing the conductor at the beginning of the show on the telephone turn around to the audience just before the show all of those kind of little details i was just like god this is what i want to do and um and then i think i just then had my mind set on that so it meant i went to university and despite um you know, I did my music degree, but the whole way through, I knew what I wanted to do. I wasn't one of those things where I, at the other end of it, I was like, right, I've done my music degree. I think that is kind of part of it. And that's why I guess lots of different things have happened in the way they have, because I was dead set on it, you
1: know. 14 and 15, 13 is, is a critical moment for any career, whether you want to go into science or music or arts or, or or law, whatever. There's something that seems to click where things begin to make sense. And, you know, I... I'm still acting for my sins, nice. which is amazing I, as you know thank thankfully, I'm grateful for the things that have come my way and yeah um but that passion is still there and when it was when I was fifteen it was there when I was eighteen, I was there when I was 25 I was still there and I can see from what you've achieved and what you've built, I mean, I don't know when you're going to be able to stop so because i I'd like to take you to luminaire because that's something that's happened recently and if anyone isn't following Alex Parker follow Alex Parker's Twitter feed because it is the best for for musical content you there's incredible stuff that you put on there but and especially because the luminaire is just launched so take me to the genesis of, of luminaire and, and and the why um I, I know why but uh, for those who don't know luminaire please let them into uh, the why
0: so um I guess I've always loved. Um, putting concerts of musicals on. I'm so passionate about this repertoire and it being played as people would, as it was originally conceived. And as we all, it's no secret that the size of orchestras in musicals are constantly being reduced or, you know, or people are putting on or they're either being reduced or shows are being conceived with really, Small, the bands, they're not actor orchestras. musicians as well. Yeah, actor musicians. Like, it's so the idea of someone saying, Right, we're doing this new musical and we want an orchestra of 26, like, it just seems like a world away now. Like, it seems impossible to imagine. I that would be a shock now. Whereas, that was just you know, I seen on the music man on Broadway mm. now has just announced an orchestra of 24, and I was like, What that's amazing! <laughs> like, I can't, I was just like, God, it must feel. I don't know, like the old. The sound coming from that pit. That would be be amazing. And in 2021, it seems, you know, that's what you'd expect in 1970, whenever, like not, you know, and kind of the final. It feels like the last time it really happened was um, Love Never Dies, which is like that had a 21, 22 piece or something. That was sort of the last newest musical with a big orchestra in town. And that's now like 10 years ago. Anyway, so it was. I, and that's why we've done these concerts but uh, when we've done the concert versions of musicals because mm. it's, it's not just seeing these amazing casts do them but it's hearing it's a concert so it's hearing these scores as they were conceived and um so i wanted to and what we've always had is the bands have always been what I, we call a scratch band so it's not necessarily been um, it's not an, a, an ensemble as such that yeah. exists as an entity. It's just every time you book a group of players, but obviously the more we've done, the more I know people and yeah. their regulars, you know, you, you end up booking kind of regular, the same-ish people every time. And I just, it felt, I've always wanted to have an ensemble that specializes in playing, um, this repertoire. Yeah in the style that it was intended, but also the number of players we have, it's a chamber orchestra. So it's about 36 to 40. And really at their biggest, those were the size of the orchestras. They weren't seven, because you'll you'll hear musical theatre repertoire sometimes played with like 80 people, but like yeah. the, in the pit, you know, Carousel, the original production had like, I think like 36 players or something, which is yeah. kind of as big as it ever got. And And so part of it is hearing it like that like you know you would like if you walked into the first preview of Oklahoma this is what it would have sounded like that's sort of the nucleus of it and also being an entity of players that you know who you're gonna hear every time and my um and I, a kind of mentor and very good friend of mine is John Wilson who we all know has done this for those amazing film scores and MGM music and all those sort of the movie musicals. And, and it was kind of his, um, thing was all, it was, it's always about the style at which everyone plays. It's not just playing the dots, but it's playing it in a way that they used to play these scores, which is, you know, the specific musical details, like they, the strings would use very, very fast vibrato, for example, yeah. which is not as common nowadays. But he, you know, would always make that it's the sound in his orchestra that you recognize. And, and he kind of did it for those movie musicals. And I guess like kind of thinking it myself and also kind of his encouragement is doing it now for a musical theater. It's time for today's Lucky Land
1: Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Hey everyone, this is Celicia Thomas from Black Hair in the Big Leagues, part of the Broadway Podcast Network. Welcome back to the Curtain Call Podcast. <laughs> I think it's really cool that you have drilled into that specificity of of how uh, this orchestra would approach this, you know, this canon, this musical theater canon. Because it's just like an accent when you're when you're learning an accent. It's not just about the way the vowels sound; it's about the attack. I always say American isn't just a dialect, it is an attitude. And I think that transfers whenever you're playing music, if you listen to the best blues players, uh, the, the the best folk artists, the way they hit their guitars, they, you know, th- that's translates.
0: I think that's the thing. I think, you know, we can, if we imagine playing, you know, if you're a violinist, you could play, if you're a proficient in the instrument, you, you could play anything really. If you've got the dots in front of you, but, you know, different genres have different sound worlds. Yeah. You're not going to play a piece of Mozart the same way you're going to play a piece of Cole Porter. Do you know what I yeah. mean? There's just a different approach. And there, and within that, there is different um, techniques, different approaches. I think also, you know, one of the, one of the kind of broad brush stroke things with musical theatre playing is I never want anyone to be too subtle in their approach to things because the nature of the stuff, you know, I'm always like, if, if it's a big moment, it's a it's a, a big, it'll be moment. If it's a very quiet moment, let's go to the extreme of that. Mm. But you almost, you know, particularly if you've got singing as well, like there's different, you know, and I think that is, it's trying to get that because I think particularly if you are a musician that plays a lot of music in lots of different ensembles, your day-to-day is playing in lots of different groups, you're kind of going to just do your thing. And mm. for me, doing this is about not just, this is just another piece of music. It's about, um, it's about us being a group that know how each other plays and know, you know, we're used to, it's not like turning up next to a stranger. It's actually, yeah. it, it's finding a sound as a group. And so our first concert was Overtures, deliberately because they didn't, I mean, we had a couple of singers in the concert, but it was mainly orchestral music. So that first concert was finding our our own Sound and yeah. our own, do you know what I mean? It was finding, yeah, yeah, of course. it was us practicing playing together before we introduce more people into it, so we could get used to that. And that's basically the goal now. You know, we're still, it, you know, we'll keep going and get yep. better. But it's about us playing together as well as regularly as we can. You know,
1: the first kind of musical concert I, I really remember is chess, and I love, I love chess. I think it's, you know, listen, it has its story flaws or whatever, but musically it's amazing. And you know, that being done at Royal Ever Hall um sorry i remember with the, it with yeah. the cast yes i mean it josh groban and adina and carrie and like it was ridiculous it's
0: kind of like yeah. you look back on it now you actually think about it. it's so funny these casts you see at the time and then you look, yeah when you look back you're like i saw all those people in one place like it's wild. It's so <laughs> wild.
1: it's led to these amazing things and you know what i i, I saw it again at the eno mm-hmm. um which was an incredible i mean to hear it with the in that in that massive space yeah. and it was much more of a presented it wasn't there's was no but it was it was more presented it seems to be a, a wonderful thing and a new unexplored way to get into musicals and to actually it t- take away from all the pomp and circumstance it it brings you back to the music which is what i'd love to 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 say like why sunset boulevard and how how did you how was this come about because i I, I think Sunset Boulevard is one of the best scores musically. It it brilliantly marries film and musical theater. Um, it, it's beautifully woven. Um, but take the spectacle take take Joe Gillis's apartment, you know, and Norma Desmond's apartment coming down on the Adelphi th- stage, which I saw many times. But you know, what is it that that made Sunset Boulevard a really good auction here?
0: Well, I, I mean, I love, I mean, I love the show. I feel, Mm. I love um, shows, I love musicals that have a sort of theatrical or movie setting. So I'm a big fan also of Follies. I love Mm. Gypsy, you know, these shows, these shows that kind of are about artists. I think I, I, I particularly am interested in those stories because it's almost, it's the behind the scenes of these people that you're exploring, you know, you're and exploring these personalities. Maybe I've never really thought about it, but maybe one—I don't want to say I relate to Norma Desmond, but I maybe maybe
1: there's—we <laughs> all do on certain days. Well,
0: quite. <laughs> maybe that I don't know. I've just always love backstage. It's 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 yes. too elementary to say it's a backstage story, yeah. but it is about what the public don't see in a way, yeah. and I think. Um, the fascination with that, the, I think I was the film score um, sort of sonic world of it. I love yeah. I think I I, it's my favorite Andrew Lloyd Webber score. Yeah. And um, I think what he's done amazingly is he's used the sound world, whether it be harmonically, whether it be orchestration, that isn't a million miles away from the kind of film scores of that time, which is mm. also an interesting thing to add into a theatrical setting. So it almost adds such a grandeur to the piece yeah. Um, and the score, you know, it's kind of the hard strings, to imagine. The the theater, that's why it, it's hard to imagine it's almost a piece of theatre because you yeah. feel like you're watching a movie. And obviously I'm a big fan of a sort of, a middle-aged female lead, naturally. Yeah. So I, I love add that into it. And actually, I, although I've got a number of musicals that I adore, I think as if we never said goodbye and the scene around that song is maybe, I, I kind of now think I can conclude it's probably my favourite moment in a musical. I love that song so yeah. much. And I think that the moment... Um, of Norma kind of coming back to the studio for the first time in years and recognizing it, but also feeling sort of nervous and afraid and just what that whole moment means. I think it's the, the marriage of all of that, I think is yeah. an amazing, amazing moment and a wonderfully theatrical moment as well. And so, and I think, I think that I think the story, the score, the thing is, when you do a concert, I always think there's got to be a reason to do a musical in concert. It's got to have an amazing score. It's got to have a score and a book, I guess, as well that can hold itself up without everything else around it. All the thing, the kind of pomp and circumstance of Mm. of a big production. It's, and I feel that this show really does do that. And actually, one of its, as well as the stars of the show, its kind of centerpiece is the score. And so actually hearing that with a 40-piece orchestra, it, it, it sort of deserves that. And you yeah. want to, you kind of, I can't imagine it not being played in such a grandiose way. And yeah, and I think um, that, and I wanted to do, I guess I wanted to do like, I wanted to do a production of it that was focused on the music and, and, and getting this score as sort of, the way we sing it and the way we play it as sort of de- as definitive a version as we can. Um, so that's kind of what drew me to it. And, it, and, and I think it, yeah, it lends. It's also a piece I think it lends itself to being done in concert very well. Yeah. And then to do it in these venues, you know, we did at it the at the Royal Albert Hall. Now I at mean, the Royal come Apple. On. It's sort of, you know, there's a staircase, there's an organ that are already there. Like we don't <laughs> need the set. Like we can do it on it. And you know, Hogeye can swing his light. Uh,
1: grand grandeur. It's yeah, so to,
0: cool to get um, that moment
1: you were just talking about.
0: Yeah, imagine filling that space exactly. And and so that feels. Amazing, and then also, yeah, I mean, it's it's great to do it with this cast. It's a great company, yeah. and you know, so it's it's, it's incredible. Thrilling.
1: I've got, um, you know, you've you've got to go. So I've got uh just one other question. I mean, it's Royal arbor Hall. Um, it's next Friday, I believe. Yeah, next Thursday, Friday. Yeah. I cannot wait. I'm going to be there. I haven't seen it since I was at the oh, and. Um, what can people? What what would you like people to take away or expect, or would you like them to? I don't want to lead the witness here, but would you like them to? open themselves up to maybe this is another way to see theater musical theater or what would you like people to take away? I'd l- i guess
0: well i'd love for people to have an amazing evening naturally i'd love people who might not have been to a hall like the albert hall to experience hearing music in a concert hall setting i think one of the things that i every time i walk in that building um my breath is taken away by how glory Every, even if you've been there a million times you walk in again you're like wow this is unbelievable and i yeah. think i think it is hearing this music in that kind of setting you know everybody will be able to see the orchestra and i want people just to, to see how a musical theater score is played see what people are doing because we're so used to hearing them just hearing them not seeing yeah. them and i think you know seeing the inner workings of that see who plays this stuff. And really just, um, apart from the incredible performances of the company, just really take away from it, um, we all know that music and orchestration and all of that is important um, in a show, but to maybe people who are perhaps more aware of the whole, actually, seeing this musical performed i don't want to say it's bare bones but it is truly about the performer the, the music. material and the music and the orchestra that is that is that is what you know and everything you see and hear will be right in front of your eyes and i think amazing and also hearing a live orchestra you know that's not always something that people have heard before and to hear an orchestra play live there's kind of nothing like it really and nothing
1: uh,
0: yeah like it's, it. it's magical and i think that's
1: so all of that they experience you know I love it. Well, Alex, thank you so much for talking to me. I cannot not wait so much. to see. It. It's oh, going to be brilliant. It's going to be and so. And you've got amazing. tons and tons and tons of other things coming. Your musical directing. You have Calisettle um, coming up. You're doing My Fair Lady. You have a musical, The Danish Girl, that's happening. There's so much happening. You're you're going to musical direct Laura pitt Pulford again, uh, but my my very good friend Chris Howell is going to be a oh, gypsy. Okay. Which I, I'm oh, going to I'm going to yeah. miss. I'm going to be filming in the states, but uh, it's. I couldn't believe when they announced the date. I went, no.
0: Oh, no. Well, hopefully we'll do it again. Hopefully it's not any time. But we'll listen, I'm wishing you
1: all the best. And I cannot wait to see it um, on Friday. Break Legs on Friday, the 3rd of December. I cannot wait to see it.
0: Thank you so much. You're very kind. And thank you so much for having me. It's been amazing talking to you. Thank you. Thank you. My pleasure.
1: But no one is alone. People make mistakes. Alex Parker, musical director and composer there. Now, you can see Alex in action this coming Friday, the 3rd of December, at London's Royal Albert Hall. And if you can't make that, head on over to luminaireorchestra.com for information on upcoming concerts of his and his orchestra. Now, before I go, a few housekeeping bits. Quick reminder that you can download and subscribe to the podcast from the Apple Podcast app or from iTunes. And you can listen to us on Stitcher, Google Play, iHeartRadio, all those other podcast streaming services that you love and and utilize. But if you can, rate and review our podcast if you have a spare 30 seconds when you're there. It helps us reach more theater lovers out there around the globe. You can follow us on all the socials, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, at Curtain Call, or you can follow me personally at John Schwab. It's We'd love to hear from you if you have any suggestions or feedback for the podcast. Get in touch with us via any of the social media platforms I just mentioned, or write to me personally at john at curtaincallonline.com. And if you are a theater professional, if you're a live events professional, if you're an entertainment professional, that's in front or uh, the curtain or behind the curtain, whatever, sign up for a free profile and curtain call. And uh, we've launched a platform partly funded by Innovate UK to help our industries get their professionals back to work so doesn't matter where you live in the world sign up for a free profile free availability uh free skill sets all these kind of things that help you get uh noticed by employers so do it you won't regret it just leaves me to say a huge thank you to alex parker check out his socials on twitter that's alexparker91 or you can see what he's up to at luminaireorchestra.com. i'll put those links in the show notes thank you to share microphones for continuing to be our equipment sponsor for this podcast a huge thank you to Salisha Thomas for our little intro into back into the break. If you haven't checked out her podcast, she is Black Hair in the Big Leagues. Go over to the Broadway Podcast Network, which we are part of and we are so grateful to be part of. and uh, Or go onto the app and, and check her out. Just don't let it. Lastly, uh, again, thanking all of you who tune in regularly to this podcast. Without you, we wouldn't be here. So thank you so much. I look forward to speaking to you soon. Stay safe and look after yourselves, everyone. Bye.